Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we're going to be talking to W. Curtis Preston, aka Mr. Backup. Um, Curtis has specialized in storage, backup, and retrieval since 1993. He's worked as an expert witness and a consultant, and uh, he's written four books on the topic. He now works as the chief technical evangelist at Druva. And he also hosts a podcast on the topic and um, maintains a website called BackupCentral.com. We're going to talk about all that um, and more. But first off, let's welcome Curtis. Curtis, how are you today? Awesome. You. Uh, this is my first podcast recording of the year. Wow, great. Uh, well, <laughs> Happy New Year, and this is a great uh, kickoff for 2022. And um, I, I read on your LinkedIn profile, you're down in Oceanside? I am. So I'm assuming you have much better weather than I do. I'm up the same coast as you, but all the way up in the Seattle Bellevue area. And we just got oh, rid yeah. of our snow, right. so. <laughs> I, I definitely have superior weather, but you have much greener things. Uh, I'm a big fan of Seattle. Uh, my wife actually went to a college that's no longer there in Everett. Uh, so I spent some time, uh, what in college was that? Seattle. Uh, I was, I uh, forgot the name of it. It was, it was a, a Bible college, a Christian college, oh, okay. but it was, okay. I think it was just called Puget Sound Christian college. And, um, she went there and, um, and my son-in-law is from wood something, wood Woodenville bridge. Woodenville, Woodenville, Woodenville. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I've been in and around Seattle quite a bit. And I did a lot of work for Amazon back 100 years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, um, it's it's a nice area. It's obviously changed a lot. Um, Microsoft changed the whole world up here. And then, you know, then with Amazon and everybody else moving in. Um, but you're right, it is very green. Um, and it's super, super nice for about six weeks during the summer. I, my, one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. places, uh, is the, um, the San Diego coast going, starting from kind of like Del Mar North to, to where you're at. So, um, you know, I guess the grass is always greener, but, um, I, this time of the year, I think, um, you've got a speed. So, um, tell, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, you, you specialize in storage backup and retrieval and, why why is that so important in the context of companies who are moving their assets, their digital assets to the cloud? Because a lot of cloud providers will tell you that they do have backup services, et cetera. So why why is it important? Yeah, it's a great it's a great question. Uh, and, and I would actually argue that backup and recovery and and disaster recovery are even more important today than they were when I got started in this industry when Many of your listeners probably weren't even alive yet. <laughs> um, the the thing is that in the cloud, and and, and I'm a huge fan of the cloud, uh, of virtualization and of 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 cloud services and cloud uh, you know virtual resources and SaaS solutions. But the reality of all of those things is that they are a single command away from disappearing, right? Meaning that. It used to take a fire or a, you know a, a natural disaster or a flood or something to take out your data center. Nowadays, a single command from a you know ill-intentioned person can delete your entire environment. And, and a perfect example of that, there was a company 
their name is escaping me, but they were uh, a company that their entire environment was in uh, Google Cloud. And they, they, they use G Drive for everything. They stored all of their data, all of their company IP. So they, they were, they were very, they were a very cloud forward company, right? And they had all of that in Google Drive. And then one day, a well-intentioned system administrator deleted what he thought was a test account. And what he did was he actually deleted the company's production account. And in a moment, the entire intellectual property of this company ceased to exist. And, and, and the, so probably did that person. They probably just ceased to exist too. It's like Thanos snapping his fingers. And, and right. the thing is, they filed a lawsuit. They're like, you know, where's our data? It's like, um, it's not in your service contract, right? The backups are not in your service contract unless they are. There are actually a handful of, you know, uh, IAAS vendors and SaaS vendors that do offer backup as part of their solution, but the vast majority of them do not. And whether they offer it or don't, that's a different discussion as to whether or not you should use uh, a service being provided by the same thing that you're protecting, right? But whether they offer it or not, the fact is that this very virtualized cloud world is a single command away from ceasing to exist uh, for for any given company. So are you? I mean, you use Google Drive, um, right. but but in the case of let, let's say an enterprise user of AWS, um, Azure, I, I would be I would assume that they have some kind of redundancy built in that um, if somehow somebody deletes your or removes your data that they could um, restore it from a from a previous backpack. You would th I would think that's automated. Now, not being a data expert, but go ahead. Tell me why I'm yeah, wrong. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that would be a very, very bad assumption to make. Um, so so when I say G Drive, I'm talking about that was that was G Suite, right? This was a product that somebody was paying for for their entire company. So they were a Google Apps company. The the company I work for, Druva, we we use Google Apps, right? And or now called G Suite. And uh, you know, we use the Gmail, we use the calendaring feature, we use the the online drive. I'm a fan of all of that, and that's what that company did. And there is absolutely zero backup of that service. And the same goes true for Azure, AWS, uh, Microsoft 365, Salesforce all of these really big, really important services, they do have redundancy built in often, not necessarily always, but often they do have redundancy, but redundancy is not backup. Redundancy is what happens when, um, you know, the, the Seattle data center goes offline and the LA data center takes over. But if you or a, a black hat you know, uh, uh, what's the, the, a bad actor. If you are a bad actor, deletes your account or deletes a significant portion of your account, or you get a ransomware attack that encrypts your entire account, there is no back button in that backup. The, the, the only thing they have, and again, they don't even all have this, is the ability to resume after a major disaster 
uh, takes out their data center. That is not the same thing as what happens when somebody deletes your data. And if they were to, okay, in that scenario, there's a disaster that takes out the data from this data center. They're going to they're going to pull the data from another data center where they're they're mirroring that um, data, right? Again, well, it, it depends on the service, right? This is right. a giant. You know, I was in consulting for a lot of years. <laughs> Every answer yeah. is it depends, right? Cool. For example, you. So if you think about, like, you have to talk service by service, but just I'll just give you two examples. In AWS, you have S3, which is object storage. It's automatically replicated to three locations. That's just the way that's included as part of the service. So if they lose one of those locations, the other two locations can simply take over um, and serve up the data, right? In contrast to that, AWS offers EBS, which is enterprise block storage. And this is what your, your server is going to need uh, to talk to, right? So if you have a server, a, a virtual machine in the cloud, a VM, that needs block storage. So that's provided by, I think it's called Elastic Block Storage, EBS. That is only in one, what they call availability zone. So if that uh, data center disappears, so does your data. And that's very well uh, spelled out in any service contract that you read. They will tell you if you're using EBS, if you're using EC2, which is the, the their virtual machine platform, they will tell you um, that this data is, it is your responsibility to back up this data. Yeah, so obviously with the, the amount of ra uh, ransomware, the, the the number of ransomware attacks that we're seeing, which is basically mm -hmm. day, daily, and I mean yeah. we 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 only hear about a, a, you know just the huge ones that right, that right. even report, um, but I mean in terms of small medium sized businesses, there everybody's getting people are getting hit every single day, yeah. and so what would you suggest? Because I again imagine if I had my um, SMB uh, CEO hat on or or CTO hat on. I would be like, oh well, I we're, all of our data is at on Azure or AWS, or, um, so it should be it should be secure. But what you're saying is, yeah, kind I'm of. But it, it's it, it depends. Not. It depends. Okay, it, yeah. it's absolutely not yeah. in the case of a ransomware attack. So um, tell us a little bit about what you would recommend, and you can go ahead and, and, and jump into the Druva solution, uh, and and or any other options. Yeah. So there, I mean, at the very base level, right? So first off, you, you just have to, the first thing is don't assume anything, check your service contract, see what's in your service contract. And I will tell you, if you look at AWS, Azure, Google Cloud Platform, uh, Microsoft 365, G Suite, Salesforce, these are sort of the big three of each of those. If you look at all of those service platforms, you will find that backup and recovery is simply not part of the solution. Okay, not at least not contractually provided. And if it's not contractually provided, you know, I'm gonna go back to, to Judge Judy, right? If it's not if it's not in the contract, if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist, right? Uh, that's one thing I learned watching her many years ago. Um, so it, first off, just sort of acknowledge that, right? It's a bit like, you know, it's like a 12 step. <laughs> acknowledge right. that you're powerless over data loss. Um, and then the, the second thing is to investigate alternatives, right? Um, I do believe uh, strongly that 
it, it should be a third-party solution. And that's not just because I, I work for a company that provides a third-party solution. It goes back to this concept called the 321 rule that we use very frequently in backup and recovery. So it, it comes from a book written, I think it was like 15 years ago, Peter Krogh. We actually had him as a guest on my podcast. He was a digital photographer, and, and he, he, he sort of distilled all of the general wisdom down to have three copies of your data on two different types of media, one of which is somewhere else. He Back then, he said off-site. Now I, I say somewhere else because off-site is odd when you're in the cloud, right? Right. So I would not use – so a, a perfect example would be right now Salesforce. Um, they have now begun to offer – a commercial backup service. You can pay them to backup your data without maligning Salesforce, the company, or knowing anything about the details of their backup software product. I would not be a fan of using the product of the service that I'm trying to protect, right? Because there's because of the two. So the idea of the two and the three, two, one is to mitigate risk by having things on multiple different types of devices, right? So storing your backup and your primary in the same sort of thing violates that concept. So I would always think of some sort of service. Um, and then I would say that the, the smaller you are, the, uh, and I don't want to, I'll say, I'll say something then I'm going to go. So the smaller you are as a company, the more a cloud-based service is what makes sense for you, right? Don't go and learn about backup and recovery. It's a complicated uh, subject. It's a subject nobody wants to learn about, frankly. I, you know, I've been in the. There go all of our listeners right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 a complicated subject, right? Um, and um, so so don't so don't go investigate the hundreds of options. Use a service where they've already done that for you and they do all the hard work and they handle all the physics and more importantly, or just as importantly, the security. Now, when you go to the opposite end of that spectrum, when you start crossing certain lines of size, a like an if we're not talking the cloud, an on-prem, like if you have an on-premises data center, an on-premises solution might make more sense, but the you have to be really big before a cloud-based solution um, no longer makes sense. So, so the short answer to your question is, um, you know, acknowledge that something's wrong. Don't spend, uh, to, don't try to become an expert in an in area that a lot of people don't want to be an expert in, and just investigate services that can do cloud-to-cloud backup. And yes, Druva um, backs up. It does that, right? We do it for. For, cloud, for backing up cloud things like IAS, like AWS, uh, we do the SaaS services. We also do laptop backup as well as data center backup. Um, so, Okay, so let's just say I'm um, on one of those uh, monster clouds and mm -hmm. all of a sudden I've, you, know, you, you put the fear of God into me and I said, you know what, we need a backup solution. Um, and now I'm on Google or some other search engine looking for uh, a backup engine, uh, back, excuse me, a backup service. Uh, what criteria should I use to select a good service? So the, the, I, I'd say 
the first and most obvious thing would be, you know, inclusion of the platforms that you use, right? So it's, you know, going with the concepts of decreasing complexity in the IT environment, right? Complexity is bad, right? Complexity equals risk. Try to find a product that handles all of the things that you need to protect. Don't get one service for 365, one service for your AWS environment, one service for your VMware environment, right? Try to get a service that handles all of those things. Um, and then the next thing I would look for is a service that can, uh, that views um, the, the, the concepts of security, that they put the concepts of security up front. Uh, things like um, the, the data is encrypted before it ever leaves your site. It's encrypted when it's stored. The, 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 the vendor in question, this is really important if you use a service vendor, the vendor in question should never with a capital N and italics and underline, never have access to your data, um, to unencrypted versions of your data. It seems obvious, but there are some really huge vendors that um, will only tell you that if you ask them a point blank question to, to that question, right? Um, and say, is there any scenario under which, for example, a government subpoena, uh, if you got a government subpoena for our data, could you provide our data to said entity? And if the answer is yes, then that means somebody has access to your data. Um, you, know, so you know, it's 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 interesting too because the encryption issue is important even in the context of ransomware attacks, mm -hmm. because you know you may be doing backups, but if you're hit by the right attack and they can exfiltrate your data. Um, mm -hmm. You can say, well, so what, so what? We have backups. Yeah, but what if they, and th this is a common occurrence as well, is they they hit you up with a ransom and they say, if you don't pay the ransom, we're going to release your data and put it yeah. out on the web. And, uh, and guess what? All that IP, all those uh, employee customer records, all that information, everything is just out there. But like you say, if it's encrypted, guess what? It's backed up and encrypted. Yeah. So covered up inside. Yeah. And that that goes down a that's a incredibly important topic it goes down a a much it's not a rat hole but but it's a but it is a it is a deep well of of challenges because now you start talking about encrypting your your primary data and and while i do believe in that concept there are a lot of challenges with that right um and the but I, I, so regarding the, the challenge that you talk about, the data being exfiltrated, I think your best defense there, at least what's available today, is the monitoring of, is like machine learning based monitoring of outgoing traffic, right? Mm -hmm. If suddenly you see this, this peak happening uh, and it's all, you know, all this data going from your service to one place, you need a product that looks for that. That's what I think is the best way to protect your on-prem data. But with the backup data, it needs to be encrypted and stored, and this this is a, there's a big comma here, and stored in a way that will not allow an attack on your primary environment to affect your backup copy, right? Because so many ways of, of products that are available on the market today, you read so many of these articles about these ransomware attacks, and you see that it attacked both the primary and the backup. And in fact, there are there are 
attacks like specifically the Conti ransomware group, C-O-N-T-I, they specifically target specific backup products. They actually exfiltrate your backups first and then attack you <laughs> and then tell you, we deleted your backups, we have your backups, right? Uh, you know, so you so it's got to be stored in a way that it, it, we use the term air gap, right? In a way that is air gapped from your primary environment, right? So all of that was the, the second area. The third one is you need scalability. Basically, you don't, every time your environment grows, you shouldn't have to call somebody and ask them for more stuff, right? Please grow my environment this size. It should automatically scale to meet your needs both up and down. And I, I don't think it should require a huge capital investment. It should be uh, one of the, the big advantages of the SaaS world is that it's an OPEX play versus a CAPEX play. Typically in backup systems for many years, they're giant capital purchases for a big company. It could be a multi-million dollar purchase of a backup system that you you size it for the next five years and then you buy it, you buy the stuff you need for the next five years. Now you spend all this money and most of it goes unused. So that's why I, I'm a huge fan of of this idea of SaaS-based data protection. So if it's just like all the other SaaS stuff where I can just sign up for a service, give you the things I need to give you, like authenticate you to 365, authenticate you to, to AWS, select the things that I need to back up and say go, and that's all I have to do. Um, I, I don't know if you could do that with your data, whether it's in a data center or the cloud, uh, then I, I don't know why you would do it any other way. Costs, I mean, <laughs> that's and you know. yeah, it's cheaper than the alternative. Well, thanks, absolutely. Thanks, thanks, no, for the, <laughs> thanks for that softball answer. No, it's cheaper. No, I'm meaning meaning. I mean, the only alternative that's cheaper is to not back it up. Right. Right. It's not cheaper than that, but the alternative meaning buying a big backup server because there absolutely. are you could buy backup products that back up the cloud to your data center. I don't know, it seems weird to do that to me, but you can buy those products. Um, my point is it's buying a service that scales with you. So you you don't buy what you need five years from now today, you buy just what you need today. Yeah. And then it grows with you as you need. It should be less expensive than the alternative. That's what I would say. And certainly less expensive than not doing it. Exactly, and my point with cost is, is, is anytime you introduce a new service, people are you know trying to, weigh that cost benefit um, analysis in, in terms of doing nothing versus doing something. But I, I would say if you're running a business of any type at all, you can't afford to do nothing in this scenario um, because what yeah, business I mean, doesn't run is, on data? <laughs> this is, um, <clears throat> there, there's a, we used to, uh, we used to call you, we used to term, we used to use the term RPE, resume producing event, right? These are, <laughs> these are, these can be company existential events, meaning that mm -hmm. you get the right hit of the right kind and your company just ceased to exist. I, I have story upon story of that happening to companies because they neglected their core responsibility to protect their data. And then, uh, or, you know, assuming that it's in the cloud, so it's magic. The cloud is awesome, but it's not magic. Right, um, the cloud makes a lot of things possible, but it doesn't change the laws of physics or, um, you know. 
and it's not bulletproof either. I mean, you know, we see we see the biggest companies in the world um, still go down once in a while. I mean, you know, Azure's had outages, yeah, yeah. Uh, Facebook recently had outages, and it's like, I, what? How could how could Azure be down? <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah. it's happened. Office three sixty five. Uh, you know, it's uh, they they have issues, and 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 if they do, and that's going to affect your business as well, right? So yeah, the the prop the problem with with um, <laughs> <laughs> the cloud is it's still run by people, you know, and we, <laughs> you know, humans ruining everything since forever. Um, yeah. Well, let me ask you one tactical question and then I want to come back sure. to um, some of um, some of those stories that you alluded to. Um, how often if we were using a service like, the, you know, the one you described, the service similar mm -hmm. to the service that Druva provides, what is the frequency of backup? Now, I've got my device here. Is it is it real time? Is it you know how do you set how do you determine that? Yeah, well, it really um, it depends. Okay. Uh, it depends on your requirements, right? So the really what it comes down to is in in, in the backup world we use the terms RTO and RPO, recovery time objective, recovery point objective. How long can a restore is is a restore allowed to take, and how much data are we allowed to lose when that happens, right? So. The, the RTO, the, the, how quickly the restore happens, that sort of drives the overall design of like how big, like if you're designing a system for your data center, it, it decides like how big it is, how beefy it is, how fast it can be, right? The RPO is what drives your backup frequency. So most people um, have an RPO, it, it, they have different RPOs in their environment based on the different types of data. So like a database, for example, that's your the primary database behind your ordering system, you might have an RPO that's measured in minutes, right? Uh, and there are ways to get that data proactively uh, offsite immediately when it's created. Um, and, but most companies with most servers, something in something that's measured in hours it's what most people shoot for. The, the number that comes up a lot is four hours, maybe one hour. Um, and and so you, you you set your backward frequency based on that. Okay. So, makes, I, makes and, and, and I've, I've, by the way, I've seen that frequency be everywhere from, you mentioned continuous, there are continuous backup solutions. Uh, to I've seen a company that said, hey, if, you know, if we lose uh, a month's worth of data, it's fine. <laughs> Right. And by the way, they, they were a paper manufacturer. They're like the computers in our paper mills, uh, they don't have anything on them that's like critical. So mm -hmm. if, we, if, if we back them up once a month, you know, if we can get them back, <laughs> right. their RTO was, their RTO was weeks, their RPO was months. And I was like, I, I don't, I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know how to, to handle this, this, this statement, but yeah. I, just are there certain regulated industries uh, that require that have industry requirements or regulations around backups that at a minimum you must Ab absolutely uh, certainly uh, HIPAA is probably one that comes to mind right the the healthcare uh, mm -hmm. regulation financial industries have specific requirements they they have regulatory requirements that say that every every interaction with a customer must be stored in a way that allows it to be queryable and pulled up. So if a guy says, hey, uh, you you promised me a 25% annual return and they can pull up the conversation and play back the audio. Uh, no, I didn't, right? right. So, so certainly there. And, and now when we look at privacy 
regulations like the GDPR or CCPA in California, um, and there's dozens of others around the world, there's an aspect of that. If you store personal data on people subject to that regulation, you must also, you, you need to protect it both from inappropriate access and also from loss. So that right. you can get, you could be required to back it up for that. Cool. So tell me, what is an expert witness in the context of storage backup and retrieval? Um, so it depends on the case. Well, I can think of a large, the, the two biggest cases I've been involved, one was a patent lawsuit and from what I will easily call a patent troll. And then the other was a insurance lawsuit where the insurance, what, what do you, what do you, what do you, are you a client? What are you, a I guess if you, what, if you, if you buy insurance, you're, you're the client, right? Your client. Yeah. 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 So the client sued the provider. Um, they, uh, I have to speak very Customer generically here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the right word is, but, um, I know it's agent to the, the seller, right? Yeah. Um, so the insured, the insured had, they had some kind of contingency in their, um, their uh, insurance that said in the case of natural disasters, the insurance would pay to, to relocate the, the data center. And it, it was the cheapest level of that, of the, there were, there were all these other levels that, that the, the company provided, they, they went for the cheapest one. And so when a there was a flood that was imminent that, you know, um, like it was a seasonal thing and they knew right. they were, there was a flood that was imminent. And so they, they relocated their data center, but they did it in a way where they, they moved it like real time to another data center in a, another part of the state. Right. And, and they did it like with very minimal, it was a really impressive move by a pretty big company to move their data from a physical typical on-prem data center to a, a colo facility elsewhere on higher ground. And it was a very expensive, like $200 million move. Wow. And the contract. I want the commission they, on that deal. That's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the contract that they, uh, the, you know, the insurance that they had was to literally physically move the servers like literally water is coming in the door we will physically move your servers to another location to higher ground and right. they were arguing that their move was a physical move and therefore they should be paid the 200 million dollars and that they shouldn't have to pay anything other than their deductible and the insurance company felt otherwise <laughs> and uh in this case i was actually hired by the insurance company to to the dark side uh, <laughs> the dark side. Uh, but the thing was, I, I, as impressed as I was about how well the, you know, the, the, a judge had already ruled that anything that fell under business continuance to, to basically make sure that the, the move didn't disrupt the business, anything that fell under that uh, was not covered 
And so I was asked to look at all of their plans and determine what fell under, you know, business continuance or not. So that, you know, that was an, and the other was a patent. The other big one was a, a patent lawsuit where um, a large software company was, was being sued by a patent troll that happened to have a patent in a drawer and wasn't doing anything about it. And I helped invalidate the patent by, uh, are you familiar with the term prior art? No. In the in the in the patent world, there's something called prior art, which is even 10, 20 years later, a patent can be deemed invalid. It should never have been granted because the idea already existed. There was already prior art that hmm. did the thing, right? And so I I brought my way too many years of experience in the <laughs> thing to say. With the they're like, we want to go um, way, yes. way back. And you're like, I can go there. <laughs> yeah, I, I can go there. I can go there. And basically I showed and documented that this thing that they got a patent for in 2000 was a thing that we were doing like in the, in the mid nineties. Wow. Right. Um, and actually used as a source. Um, the, have you ever heard of something called Deja News? Do you remember this? No. Um, Google, it was something Google bought. It just became part of the Google archive. But do you know what Usenet was? Actually, yeah, Usenet. I remember Usenet. Yeah. 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 Okay. So Deja News was an archive of everything that was on Usenet. Wow. And I was okay. I was able to pull up Usenet posts from like 1995, illustrating this concept and that and that the concept already existed before they patented it. So yeah. <laughs> In both of those cases, I was I was on the big on the big guy's side. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very very interesting. Um, you also have a podcast. It's the Restore Restore It All podcast. Correct. In, in, Correct. Why would you ever do a podcast? Says the podcast host. <laughs> so, why? What, what on earth are you thinking? <laughs> I just I just found that I wasn't talking enough on a day to day basis. Right. <laughs> I, I, you know, podcasts just. You know what's funny? I many people had asked me to do a podcast over the years, and I didn't get it. I didn't get the concept of a podcast, and it wasn't until I discovered some podcasts myself and had and was using them and realizing that there was this real niche of this audio only content, and I was like, I could do that. And I, I went to a coworker who, interestingly enough, my, my, my co-host is, or, well, he is like an introvert, like he is the complete opposite of me. And when I proposed it, but, but he's really, really smart. And I proposed it to him. I, I, thought you were gonna, I thought you were going to say the complete opposite of you. <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah, so that's fair. That's fair. Touche. Touche. Uh, so he, he said, um, so he was, I, I said, I said, we're going to do this podcast. He's like, okay. But he had no idea what he was in for. And now we've done, I don't know, what, 130 episodes. Um, that's, that's awesome. And yeah, and, you know, we have guests and we have, you know, sometimes it's, what we call an OG podcast, meaning it's just the two of us, but there are so many events, so many things that happen in the news, things like these catastrophic events that I mentioned that prove why it's really important to get a backup. Um, I'll give you a perfect example, one that really drives home the point I was making earlier, but also gives you the kind of thing that we talked. 
this time last year, there was this giant uh, fire in France, uh, the, the, the largest cloud provider that's headquartered in Europe is a company called OVH Cloud. And they, they had this data center, a multi-story data center based on containers. I don't know if you've ever seen like something built out of, you know, these are like shipping containers, right? Sure. So they had this, this big data center based on shipping containers. And then there was some kind of fire and it was so intense that their, their fire suppression system just, I give up, I'm out of here. And so they lost not only that entire building, but the fire was so intense that it took out the building next to it. And that was their second data center. Wow. And there, and a lot of people lost their data for two reasons. One is a lot of people assumed that their data was being backed up and it wasn't. And the second is some people actually paid for, this goes back to my other point, <clears throat> some people paid for the backup service that OVH provided. And the service described that the backup data would be stored physically separate from the, the data it was backing up. It turns out that just meant it was going to be over in the corner <laughs> because a lot of people that actually paid for the backup service lost their data. I just got I just saw in the news last week that a class action lawsuit is being put together in France for people who paid for the backup service and still lost their data. And are they are they looking for an expert witness? I'm trying to get signed <laughs> up as an expert witness. Like, I, really I can am. go to France. I can get paid. <laughs> and this, no, but, this time I could be on the good side. You know, right, I could be on right. the, the victim side. Uh, I love, I, I, you know, I did send them in an email, thanks to Google Translate. Uh, one, one problem is I do not speak French. You know, I can say hello and goodbye and wh where is uh, Jack? <laughs> um, and um, the, um, other than that, I would love to be a resource. They have not gotten back to me, but I, I uh, would, well, I, because I was, I was so angry when I heard the people who had actually paid for the backup service, that a, that a, that a, a, a technology provider would think that storing the co the only copy of the data over in the corner was a good idea. Just, just gross incompetence, you know. And gross I, it, incompetence. It, yeah, yeah. Um, well, <clears throat> I'm I'm just uh, yeah. Person, we're talking about podcast. I I actually enjoy doing mine. Um, because I get to talk to people like yourself and I'm always learning every person. And because, you know, when I first got into cybersecurity, I thought, well, cybersecurity, it's, it's all kind of the same thing. And then you realized, I mean, it's there, it's such a broad topic and, mm -hmm. and then you can go a mile wide, but then when you pick one of those topics, then you can go a mile or, or two deeper on, on that yeah. specific area. So, and, and it's every week I'm talking to somebody from, it's looking at say, similar problems from completely different angles and perspectives and it's uh, it's right. there's there's never a dull moment from the technology um from the process side but also from the threat side you know these uh these bad actors right. out there they continue to evolve and develop their their methods of tech so it's a it's a very interesting space to be in um and and and, and talking to people like yourself helps me kind of learn and keep abreast and and kind of somehow organize my thoughts on the topic so it's it's fun doing a podcast you also have your website which is backupcentral.com 
Um, and you are the chief technology evangelist. And that's uh, another question I wanted to ask you. What is a chief mm -hmm. technology evangelist? <laughs> I know what I know I've what a televangelist in. is, <laughs> you know. <Yeah>. But <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. My daughter, uh, I, have, I have two adult daughters, and my oldest daughter just noticed my title yesterday, and she thought it was hilarious. She was just like, "You're," she's like, "You're evangelist. This is hilarious," you know. Um, the it, it, basically, it's it's a it's a marketing position, right? Mm -hmm. But this that I'm doing right now. This is being a chief technical evangelist, right? So basically, I explain uh, what, why what we do is important and why the way we do it is a really good way to do it. I'm not sales, and mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not even product marketing. So I'm not saying, you know, I I, I want to talk to you about, you know, the the uh, Druva. Uh, SaaS, you know, backup for Microsoft 365 and why these 10 features are better than those 10 features. It, it's not that. It's um, number one, <laughs> the number one topic I end up explaining is the one we started with, which is why you want to back up sure. the, um, the 365. So for example, if you look at all of the 365 customers, the latest stat I saw was, I don't want to give a number, but the vast majority of them do not back up their data. And um, and then you look at, there are, there, there was finally at least one, there's been a public incident on G Suite. There's been a public, a couple of public incidents on Salesforce. There's been many on AWS that prove the point that there is no backup unless you make one. There was finally a really big one on 365, and it was something that happened to KPMG. So KPMG, again, well-meaning administrator, meant to um, he. What did he want to do? He wanted to clear out. Again, I don't know why, but for some reason, he wanted to clear out the private messages in Microsoft Teams for a particular user. And they were using this feature that 365 refers to as retention policies, which mm -hmm. some people tout as a backup alternative, which it is not, and this proves that point. So they had a default retention of like 90 days and they wanted these messages gone. I don't know why. <laughs> and I could come up with all sorts put of- your, put, your, put your expert witness hat on and guess. Yeah, <laughs> but but- so, but they had this retention policy. So what they did was you, you can't delete data that's in a retention policy. So what you do is you make another retention policy and you move that user into the retention policy with a retention day, a retention setting of zero. Right. And that's how you that's how you do it. Except he did the opposite. He moved all, I think it was like, it was some ridiculous number with way too many digits, essentially all KPMG users, except for the one that he meant to save the data, he moved all of them into this new policy and boom, all of their private messages were gone. Now, I think, we, no, all, no I think we all know 
that the feeling that he felt when he recognized what he did <laughs> and what a terrible thing imagine that, that it's just like I've, surreal I've done, that. Like, I've done those stupid wait a minute, things right wait a minute yeah. wait a minute there's got to be a way to back up out of this there's got to be a way wait a minute i can't believe i just you know <laughs> that poor guy poor guy. yeah and yeah, and, and i do i do i do really feel for that person at the same time um it, it, it illustrates this issue that 365, it, it, it had the, the real challenge, and the reason why I bring up 365 a lot is because it has a lot of what I would think of as features that mimic backup. Mm-hmm. So you can go into your 365 account and you can quote, restore deleted emails or restore deleted files. That implies that you're getting them from a backup. 365 and these other SaaS applications, they're really just really big special purpose databases. Mm-hmm. And when you delete, when you delete an email, it's really that email is just a database record, right? And when you delete that email and there's a retention setting that says it's supposed to be kept for 30 days, it just sets a flag in that record. And it says this email is now deleted, which means it doesn't show up in your inbox. And when you say restore, it just unsets that flag and now it shows up again. You didn't restore anything. And that's why I think a lot of people think that there are features that simply don't exist. Um, And uh, so that's why I end up explaining that. So just to go back to your earlier question, this is what I do. I just explain this kind of stuff to people. And in addition to podcasts and websites, uh, do you participate in events or what else do you do? I speak at seminars and 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 uh, uh, things like that. You remember seminars? Like yeah. people would go, to <laughs> groups of people oh go to God. large. That is groups, so like right? five years ago. No, it was just a couple years. Yeah, ago. it seems like five years ago. Yeah, it seems no. like forever. Yeah, I'm actually supposed to be going to an industry event down in uh, San Diego in April, but. Um, at the end of April, but right now everything's, they are sending out queries. What's the likelihood of you attending? And you know, they're trying to kind of figure out, are they going to, is it a go or no go situation, right? I, and, um, I went to uh, AWS reInvent in Vegas in was it November, I think it was. And it mm-hmm. was, it, it's a really big show. Normally it's about uh, 60,000 people. They scaled it down to be only fifteen thousand, and they mm-hmm. still sold out. But it it was a bit weird to be, you know, everybody had right. to be vaccinated, right? You had to be vaccinated to go. But um, it was really weird to be in a building with tens of thousands people. of people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's uh, it's it's amazing how quickly things changed. Um, and hopefully we'll be amazed at how quickly they get back to normal, knock on wood. Uh, but right. uh, yeah, well, hey, Curtis, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I've learned a lot um, in terms of, gosh, uh, you can't assume that your cloud provider is backing up your data. In fact, you should probably assume that they're not. Um, yeah. Check the fine print, ask them. And even if they do have that service, you might want to check for uh, another service provider just to kind of diversify your risk and, you know, cover, cover, cover your bases, right? Absolutely. That that three two one rule is it, just look at whatever it is you think you're doing for backup, <clears throat> and see if it applies. If it meets those basic that most basic definition of the of backup, and if it doesn't, then I would investigate, uh, which it probably doesn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would investigate uh, a third party service like Druva's um, uh, 
platform. Excellent. Well, Curtis, again, uh, thank you for being on the show. Um, I'm going to put links to your podcast and to your website and to Druva in the show notes. And I'd like to wish you an amazing 2022. You too. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.